0: Welcome to the American Thoracic Society Respiratory Cell and Molecular Biology Podcast. I am your host, Moor Saller. Today, we bring you the second episode in a three-part series entitled Chatting with the Editors. We sit down with Dr. Geesley Jenkins, Professor of Experimental Medicine at the University of Nottingham. Professor Jenkins, tell me about yourself.
1: Yeah, okay. So, I'm a National Institute of Health Research Professor based at the University of Nottingham. I run a respiratory cell and molecular biology lab uh, at the University of Nottingham. I also uh, run an, an academic clinical lung fibrosis unit and I undertake uh, clinical work for the NHS. So the scope of my work covers the whole pipeline from discovery biology to clinical trials and ultimately implementation
0: studies to improve the health of patients with pulmonary fibrosis. So, so tell me about your path to becoming an editor. So it was, I guess,
1: a standard pathway by which academics do stuff. Um, I submitted papers, manuscripts, grants for peer review, and as part of that, I was invited to review work for journals and review work for grant funding bodies. And indeed, I remember at a meeting, I was asked to judge a poster competition many years ago, and uh, I asked some questions and made some decisions, and, and, and an editor-in-chief for, from the Red Journal at the time was there and suggested that I would be good at Doing this for the Red Journal, and so I was invited onto the editorial board, and likewise, through performing peer review, I was invited onto the editorial board at the at the Green Journal, the American Journal for uh, Physiology, Respiratory Cell and Molecular, and so that gave me the sort of breadth of um, experience in terms of undertaking peer review and i found what made good peer review what made good manuscripts what made good grants and then when i submitted a manuscript to a journal which will remain nameless and i got a set of peer review comments back which were particularly galling Um, i disagreed with them completely I thought that the reviewers had clearly not read my manuscript, but some other manuscript. Uh, And so I appealed the decision. The decision was upheld. uh, And I was invited to send back a repeat manuscript. It was reviewed by the same reviewers, had the same problems, and ultimately the paper was rejected. And I just thought, this is a sorry stage of affairs for the peer review process. So I thought at that time I would perhaps consider applying for an editorship to to fix what I thought was a broken peer review process. However, whilst undergoing the application process for an Editor-in-Chief position, I realised through reflecting more thoroughly on the peer review process, that the process isn't really broken, it's just not perfect. Uh, and you, the, the editor can't make the process perfect. The editors can create pathways and create processes which improve the process, but they can't make it perfect. And indeed, as an author, we have just as much an important role to play in this process as the editor and the peer reviewer. So peer review is about communication, and that initial communication occurs between three groups of people, and each component, each part of that process is crucially important. Um, And so, as, as I reflected on this, I came up with some strategies which I thought might help the process uh, and then applied for a job and the, uh, the publishers and the people who were interviewing and my co-editors-in-chief uh, agreed with this process and we, we were
0: uh, appointed. So, so, so what, are, what are those strategies? And, and, and as, as, as an editor at Thorax, are you able to implement those?
1: So so from a, from a peer- review process, I think the, the key to everything is, is uh, methodological rigor, uh, and then clarity of thought and writing. So um, So as an editor, we get 1,500 manuscripts per year, which is. Yeah, just over a hundred manuscripts uh, a month to to look at, and so you know the, the, the important thing is that we publish work that is well done, uh, and so we need to find out whether it's well done as quickly as possible. Uh, so so one of the ways of doing that is by uh, telling authors what sort of protocols they should follow uh when submitting their manuscripts so that we know that their manuscript contains the, the the correct level of methodological rigor to qualify for publication in that journal and so by changing the instructions to authors when we arrived from a, a sort of a kind of aspirational document which, which focused on formatting and the type of manuscript we wanted, to adding in more detail about what the manuscript should contain, uh, you're able to get the authors to, to put down in their manuscript precisely what methodological approaches they took and the sort of quality control that was undertaken. Uh, to ensure that the manuscript is, is of a sufficiently high standard, uh, and also the other one of the other key things that we we changed when we we were appointed was to ensure that every manuscript that is sent for peer review undergoes a specific statistical review process. So rather than selecting manuscripts on the basis of the reviewers' comments, which which manuscripts should get a statistical review? All manuscripts submitted to Thorax will have a full statistical review. So, so it's process things like that which can, we believe, improve the rigor of the
0: manuscript. So, so looking back on the on, on your experience of, of 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 submitting a submitting a manuscript and finding the process galling, you know. N- now with some some maturity as as an editor, what advice would you give yourself, and what advice would you give the the reviewer uh, to uh, you know?
1: Uh... <laughs> yeah, so the, my, the advice myself has changed a lot, um, and the the the, the first uh, the first bit of advice I give to myself when I receive the reviewer's comments is is not to be antagonized by them. Um, So if the reviewer hasn't read my paper correctly, it is not the reviewer's fault. Um, What is it about my communication which has meant that the reviewer has read it incorrectly? Um, What is it about my language which has meant that the reviewer hasn't Quite understood the importance or the significance of what I have done. So I take now I take much more ownership of the reviewer's comments than I previously did, where I was much more passive about it. I, I write a manuscript, the reviewer hates it, uh, and I just blame the reviewer for being stupid. Where now it's completely the other way around. It's what is it about? the work that I have written, which hasn't got the message across. Um, and the other, the, other, uh, the other thing, and this has really, really helped, is uh, not to take any of it personally. Um, and that, I think this is quite challenging, especially for junior investigators, that if you get negative reviewers' comments, it could be crushing. You know, they, they hate me, they hate my work, they hate the area I work in, whereas actually that's not the case. Um so seeing lots of reviewers' comments has, has helped me understand my role in communication much better. It's also made me realise that two people can read exactly the same document and come up with completely different conclusions.
0: Um which is always interesting. And and, and so and so when um as as an editor and you read you, you, you get all these uh, manuscripts on your desk. How do you decide which manuscripts you're going to pass on to, your, to, to reviewers uh, to read in more, more, more detail?
1: So it's, it's pretty straightforward, actually, because the authors do a really good job of disqualifying themselves a lot of the time. Um, so I will look at the manuscript, and I, as I am reading the manuscript, I will have the instruction to authors open next to me. And if they haven't written the manuscript in accordance with the instructions to authors, then we can reject it fairly easily. And remember, that the the situation is that we can only publish about 10% of the manuscripts that we receive. So the onus is very much on the manuscript to be better than 90% of the other manuscripts that I have on my desk at any one, or on my desktop on any one particular day. Um, and and we, what we really want to avoid is sending manuscripts to reviewers, uh, which are not gonna get published. Um, so, because it, it, it's not good for you know, the reviewers, the reviewers are busy. Associate editors are busy. We want to streamline the process. Um, so, if it's clear from the instructions to authors that the reviewers you know, haven't, haven't met the scope or haven't haven't done it in accordance with the the, the quality standards that are set out yeah. in the instructions to authors, then yes. it's a pretty pretty easy decision to reject these manuscripts. And uh, it's. And again this is my top tip to review to authors is read the instructions for authors there 's a lot of useful information contained in that. Um, then having having considered the the sort of scope and the methodological rigor, then we'll look at or i'll look at what I think the the message and the impact of the message is so is it is it a message that is Interesting or important, is it something that's likely to to be cited by other researchers? and these are these are much harder decisions to make. they' are much harder judgment calls because you're trying to predict the future, which is very difficult and you're trying to gauge the the mood of your community, which can be quite difficult. Um, and that's where the the, the associate editor's expertise. And the reviewer's expertise becomes more and more important because obviously I I, I may have an in-depth knowledge and up-to-date knowledge of areas of my field but I can't cover the whole spectrum and so for for issues on whether a, a project is current timely and important I wouldn't I would necessarily defer to my associate editor and
0: ultimately, to content experts on those kinds of issues. Um, so, so you mentioned one tip about for junior investigators was reading the instructions, and I thought that was really important. Um, what are some other tips you give uh, junior people in terms of uh, how to improve the quality of their manuscript? And, then, and what are some of your biggest pet peeves that you find uh, that authors do that, that really kind of bug you when you read through their journal articles? <laughs>
1: um. Well, the, 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 the number one is not reading the instructions to authors, <laughs> which, which authors just never seem to do. It's quite remarkable. Um, and I guess the classic for Thorax is it states, and this is particularly useful for the RCMB uh, listeners, is that it states very clearly in the instructions to authors that all animal experiments must conform to the ARRIVE Guidelines, then the ARRIVE guideline checklist should be appropriately filled in and submitted with the manuscript. I can count on the, the fingers of one hand how many times this has been submitted with the first version of the original manuscript. Um, and it doesn't, it's so annoying, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because the, the ARRIVE Guidelines contain a huge amount of vitally important information about how to undertake an animal experiment Um, and so it's very frustrating that not only have they not read the arrived guidelines before doing the experiments but they've not even read the instructions to authors before submitting the manuscript Um, so that so I can't that's my number one pet peeve other, other things which are uh, frustrating are what, what I like to call the p-value abuse. Um, and that's the sort of mythical status that a p-value of 0.05 uh, has. Um, and the sort of effect size can sometimes be lost. So, for example, if you have an effect size of of ten percent in whatever condition you're comparing, but the p-value is point zero four nine, and this is somehow worthy. Whereas if the effect size is a hundred percent, but the p-value is point zero five one, it is somehow not worthy, and that is clearly uh, irrational. But using p-values to to add add um, some kind of quality quality mark to your results, I think I find a bit irritating, um, and I think we're moving away from that in the scientific community generally. Uh, other pet peeves are the, the the sort of classical discussion which is as long as the introduction methods and results itself, which uh, speculates wildly about the 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 ultimate clinical benefit of studies performed in vitro, for example. Um, I think the discussion should stick to highlighting strengths and weaknesses, uh, certainly in the first draft of the manuscript, because reviewers are always very happy to, to lengthen the discussion, um, and the word limits are there for a reason. Um, and and the use of flowery language, another thing, keep, keep, things, keep things simple, keep things short. This is, scientific writing is not writing a novel, not writing a poem. A poem. It's, it's, it's got to be easily understood by a diverse range of people. Uh, so avoid adjectives, avoid value statements, um, keep, it, keep it simple. That's really helpful.
0: Um, any other advice you want to give to, uh, to people submitting manuscripts to Thorax? Uh, I, if I haven't said it already,
1: read the instructions to authors. Then focus firstly on the abstract. Again, the abstract will be read thoroughly and in detail by everybody who's reviewing it. And it will contain, should contain the key details of the manuscript. So make sure you spend time and effort getting the abstract right. And that's why things like the ATS, the ERS, the the BTS meetings are so useful, and other scientific meetings are so useful, because they help you write abstracts. They help you learn how to write a good abstract. Uh, And and that's a real key skill. the the least important aspect of your manuscript, certainly at the initial stages, is the introduction and the discussion. So that if you want to write those last, that's fine. Um, the things that we look at, editors are will be the methods and the results. Um, so get the methods right. Make sure that you can demonstrate that, that the the appropriate quality has been has been. Uh, has been undertaken, you know, the, the experiments have been done right, the, you know, the replicates are the appropriate replicates, the N numbers are appropriate, the the analysis is appropriate. Those, those are the details which will, 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 your manuscript will sort of sink or swim by. It doesn't matter how exciting the, the study, if it's all been done wrong, it's of very little value. Um. Brevity and clarity, as I've said before, in your writing is crucial. Uh, and make sure each paragraph has only a single message. Uh, try, to, try not to overcomplicate things. Um, if, it, if it isn't simple, it's hard to understand. And if it's hard to understand, the chance that someone in the review process is going to misinterpret it is much higher. Um, so, yeah, those are, those are my
0: key tips. No, th- those are those are great and really practical. Um, any other final parting thoughts? Um,
1: not not particularly. I think I guess I guess, I guess as a closing thought, I'd, I'd like to say that scientific communication is a real. Um, is, it's really important, and it's a it's one of the most valuable. Things that the scientific community does, because it ultimately is what leads to treatments and and policies, uh, and so it has a huge impact on on the health of of the nation and the world, um, and so it's it's really it's really important. And we all have a role to play in it, whether we're editors, whether we're reviewers, or whether we're authors. And I think it's important for all of us, wherever we are in that process, and, and most of us, like myself, I, I, on a different day, I'm in a different role in this process. Um, and it's, I think it's incumbent on us all to recognize the importance and the value of what we do, uh, and how by engaging with it, we can make it better each by doing our own little bit to improve, to improve how we write a manuscript, to improve how we review a manuscript, and then to, to try and improve the processes by which peer review can occur. And that leads to better data, better
0: science better treatments, and better outcomes for everybody. Well, Dr. Jenkins, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time and and sitting down to talk with us.
1: No, it's been fun. I hope it's of value.
0: Thank you for joining us on this podcast. Tune in next time when we interview professors Oliver Eichelberg and Paul Schumacher.